0: Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you.
1: Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this episode, we welcome back, uh, well, probably the the most well known guy, the biggest superstar in the world of HR, frankly. Uh, My guest today, he probably doesn't need any introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. He's been ranked as the number one management guru by Businessweek, profiled by Fast Company as one of the world's top 10 creative people in business. He's a top five coach in Forbes and recognized on Thinkers50 Hall of Fame as one of the world's leading business thinkers. Dave Ulrich, the wonderful Dave Ulrich, has a passion for ideas with impact. Dave and his colleagues over at RBL Group. And if you haven't checked out uh, um, the RBL Group, please do fantastic, fantastic content. Um, They they have 30 plus years of experience in helping organizations and individuals succeed through HR practices in talent, leadership and organization. Dave previously appeared on the HR chat pod back in May 2020. My goodness me, I can't believe (laughs) that It's been that long already. And in that show, Dave talked about ways that leaders and employees can come through COVID-19 and the crisis that we thought perhaps was going to be a bit shorter back then, uh, with greater resilience and new skills. We're going to maybe pick up a couple of those topics that we spoke about a couple of years ago there, Dave. But uh, just to start with, thank you so much for joining me again on on the HR Chat Show.
0: Bill, what a privilege. HR Chat and the work that you've done with HR Gazette over years really does help provide ideas that will have impact. I mean, that's that's our goal. That's our purpose. And uh, what a privilege to join you again today. Thank you. The
1: privilege is all mine, but you're very gracious. Okay, so
0: let's get let let's get into the
1: questions. Dave, one of the things I love about you, and um, like so many other people out there, is your your optimism, your positivity, and and throughout the crisis, you've remained an optimist, and you've emphasised things like the opportunities available to HR leaders who are willing to use this time right now as, as a chance to learn and grow and develop and support each other. But when it comes to the role of the HR function in contributing to the overall success of the organization, Dave, what, what are you most hopeful for in 2022?
0: You know, uh, there's a great line in French, plus ça change, plus c'est la même chose. And, and I've just proven I don't speak French. But but the message is continuing. I mean, it's not just 2022, it's 20. As you said before, it's 2020.1, 2020.2, 2022 now. Um, HR is not about HR. It's an interesting question. What's the most important thing that we in HR can give an employee? And I often have a little test is it belonging, believe, become, all of the above, or none of the above? Everybody says well, all of the above. Uh, we can give employees believe, become, belong. It's none of the above. The most important thing that we in HR can give an employee and our company is a company that succeeds in the marketplace. Let me say that very clearly, unless and until you succeed in the marketplace, there is no workplace. And, and I see us in HR getting all excited about building great workplaces. Let's change our culture. Let's change leadership. Let's be a hybrid, hybrid employer. I love to put behind that. So that, so that we succeed in the marketplace. Because without that success in the marketplace, the workplace isn't going to happen. I've been in a lot of companies over my lifetime where they had some very innovative HR practices, but they weren't linked to success in the marketplace. And many of those companies, I could go through a list of them and embarrass myself, are gone. So for me, that meta message continues. It's not what we know and do in HR. It's how what we know and do in HR will create value for our customers outside the company. For our investors, for our communities, so that we are successful in this changing marketplace that we live in.
1: We'll be right back to this conversation after this very brief message from today's sponsoring partner. Healthy habits begin in the workplace, and Life Omic Precision Wellness is the corporate wellness program built for teams looking for a fun and scientifically proven way to build out daily strategies around improving physical and mental health and preventing chronic disease complete healthy habits earn life points top the leaderboard and share your progress with co-workers friends and family along the way in an easy to use mobile app start your free trial of precision wellness today at precisionwellness.io okay conversely though uh I'll, I'll be that guy because you're the optimist. So <laughs> conversely, Dave, what, what are the biggest challenges facing HR leaders now and maybe through the rest of 2022 into 2023? And, and as part of that, maybe you can share some of the roadblocks facing HR and leaders to getting to, to that success in the marketplace that you're just speaking about.
0: I, you know, it's a great question, Bill. And I think the biggest challenge or one of the biggest challenges, I think, is our mindset. Again, when I go to HR people, I say, what are you focused on today? I'm focused on hybrid work. I'm focused on uh, changing my culture. I'm focused on healthcare. I'm focused on mental health. I think the mindset of most of us in HR, myself included, to be fair, is about the things in front of us. And they're real. I mean, hybrid is real. Mental health is real. Uh, Physical COVID safety is real. I love to put behind that mindset the two words, so that. And I said it before, and I'll say it again, so that we succeed with customers. Or I love to ask the HR person, who's your customer? Oh, I'm I'm very committed to my employees. That's terrific. So that our customer in the marketplace is successful. And I think the first challenge, I think, is that mindset, that we come to a business discussion not to do HR work, but to help our company succeed. The second blockage I see is we get locked into tactics and tools um often around people uh, again if i was doing this visually and you could do it visually in your own mind hold up your fingers of your right hand and say wow those five fingers represent the people i'm committed to my employees their experience their competence, their commitment hold up your left hand that's a fist that's the organization i want hr people to come to a business discussion to help a company succeed in the marketplace through the fingers the talent The fist, the organization, put them together, that's leadership. And in my view, when we in HR engage in a dialogue, it's not just about the people, the fingers, the organization, the fist, or the leadership, the combination. It's about connecting what I've been calling human capability. Human is the people, capability is the organization. They come together at leadership. So challenge number one, I'm going to lay out three, is our mindset do we see ourselves as contributors to the business there are some people say oh that's not what business partners that's what being a business partner is we're sitting at the table helping a business succeed in the marketplace number two through talent leadership and organization we contribute all three and the third issue is we then have to reinvent hr we've got to rediscover how do we build the hr department in my silly uh metaphor my fingers represent talent My fist is organization, the combination, they come together, that's leadership. Then my forearms represent the HR services that sustain it. Do we hire our people? Do we do performance management, information work? Do we have all the HR reinvention systems that make that happen? So those are my three challenges and I hope opportunities. One is changing the way we think, our assumptions. Two is through talent, leadership, and organization, we succeed in the marketplace. And three by reinventing HR.
1: Okay, sounds easy when you say it like that, Dave. Jeez. Um, <laughs> so, I just want to—we'll get back to uh, what's going on in the world right now in, in more general terms shortly. But I, I do just want to give a little bit of lip service to uh, to the Dable Rich HR model. You know, it's not—it's not everybody I interview on this show that has an HR model named after them. So the model was introduced in 95 as a way of organizing hr functions designed for larger organizations largely with big and unwieldy teams and the model was designed to streamline ways of working and ensure team members were clear on their roles and responsibilities you, you split hr into four key sections as part of the model dave
0: you know in 1995 what kind of we couldn't have done this broadcast what kind of uh, internet access you know in 1995, we built an HR agenda that said, How does HR create value? That was the agenda. In the last 22 years, we've changed that model dramatically. Now, the assumption is still the same. HR is about plus la plus c'est la même chose, my bad French. We're still about creating value, but we've evolved. Um, HR is not about its structure. And you know, do we have centers of expertise, embedded HR people? We've got to do that. But we've now identified in our latest version that there are nine characteristics of my forearms. Remember, I had my fingers is the talent. My fist is the organization. The combination is leadership. And the forearms represent reinventing HR. We reinvent HR by having, and I won't bore you with the nine, but you've got to do the HR structure. That's number four in our model. But what we have found that's the most critical in today's world, and I love research. I love research. We have data from over 3,000 people in a thousand companies the most critical piece of hr today is getting our identity right and our reputation that's that assumption hr is not about an administrative service it's not about the day-to-day routines it's creating value that has the most impact on business results and the other critical factor is not the structure i'll do a little more with this it's the relationships What we found in our research of these nine dimensions, HR structures, centers of expertise, embedded HR, that's fine, was not as critical as the relationships. And a lot of times in HR, we get emboldened and and consumed with who's going to report to whom. Do we have embedded HR? Do we have centralized HR? What we're finding is that's not the really good question. I'll give an example of that. I've been, uh, and I know you've celebrated, your new name is uh, Abu Arthur. Uh, you celebrated family and I've been married now for 40, oh man, I can't even remember how long, 45 years. In those 45 years, and I'd love to ask you and your partner, how often do you and your partner sit down and do what's called a RASI? Who's responsible, who's accountable, who's consulted, who's informed or some other decision model? You know, in 45 years, Wendy and I have never done it. That's structure, that's who's accountable, who's gonna do what. We have a great relationship. When Wendy's busy, I do laundry, I fix food, I do shopping. When I'm busy, she does laundry, she does food. We have a relationship. And I beg our HR people to look at not the roles, but the relationships. How well do we work with each other? Now you need some role clarity. You need specialists who have deep expertise. You need generalists who can adapt that expertise to a a business or a function or a geography. But if you don't have a good relationship among those folks, it's not gonna work. And that's what our research showed. With Wendy and I, we uh, seem to have a pretty good relationship. And I'm assuming you and your partner have a great relationship as you deal with Arthur. And it varies from day to day. That's where we're seeing HR today. It's not about role clarity. It's about relationship value and connection. And, uh, And that's what our research lately has seemed to show. Sorry to take you off on that. I, uh, I like, I mean, Simon and Garfunkel, when they, if they were ever singing again, I'd say to them, oh, would you please sing Bridge Over Troubled Water? By the way, I've just dated myself badly. And they would both look at me and go, we sang that song 25 years ago. Uh, go get the recording. Can we share with you what we're doing today? And I hope we in HR are constantly reinventing the, the let's not go back and rediscover the past. Let's, uh, let's recreate our future.
1: I get it. I get it. And I respect that. You're an artist, sir. You're an artist. Um, Okay, so let's make it current then, fairly current. Uh, In in a pretty recent uh, interview, uh, back end of 2021, I believe, you explain, and I'm, I'm quoting you now, now is the time to reinvent HR by pivoting from benchmarking and best practice to guidance instead of improving by comparing oneself to others and by adapting what others do well, we must move beyond these descriptions of HR work to prescriptions. We want to move to guidance to be prescriptive on how and what we should be doing. Please, can you maybe expand oh, on, on, on the you, why? Thank you, thank yeah, you. and First I'd, I'd love all, to understand you know, how, how yeah. HRs can be more prescriptive, Dave.
0: Let me uh, start with that assumption. Now is the time. I, I don't think in my career, and obviously I defined how old I am by how long I've been married. Um, I don't think I've seen a more critical time when business leaders, not HR leaders are talking about my fingers, talent, the great resignation. Do we have the right people? Our people, are our customers, most important asset organization, culture, where do we work? Leadership. I mean, those are, those are center stage in ways I've never seen before. And so I put on that a, a quote from an American, uh, activist, Martin Luther King gave a great talk in 1964. I have a dream. And many remember the, I have a dream message, but he didn't start there. He started with now is the time. And he said it five times. So for me now is the time. Now is the time for us in HR to step up, to make a difference. So what is it we've got to do? Let me take you through three traditional things. We benchmark benchmarking says, how well am I doing versus someone else? Do I weigh the right weight? Do I exercise enough? Am I as good as? that's really interesting. And it gives me a a nice discussion point. Then we do best practice. How can I weigh less? How can I, how can I be more effective? How can I, how can I, as a leader benchmark is my leadership. I'm a 4.5 and I, and the average is 4.7 on a five point scale. We benchmark, we do comparison shopping. Then we do best practice. Who's the best. By the way, I've written books on that bill for decades. and, And so have all of your guests. Who's the best? Well, that's kind of interesting, but I don't want to be as good as Unilever in social responsibility, and I shouldn't start naming companies. I don't want to be as good as somebody else. Then we do predictive analytics. So stage one, benchmark. How am I doing versus someone else? Best practice. Who's really good? Predictive analytics. Why are they good? Let me tell you the question I'm interested in. What do I need to do to be better? What should I weigh? How should I exercise? How should I be a better leader? And in my view, that issue of impact requires guidance. So benchmarking, I don't, I don't care how I compare to someone else. I don't even, I want to learn from best practices and I want to know why they're a best practice. That's predictive analytics. Again, number one, benchmark. Number two, best practice. Number three, predictive analytics. I love stage four. What can I do to lose weight? By the way, I've not always done very well on that because I try to copy somebody else's diet plan. It doesn't work. What can I do to lead better? What can I do to build better talent? That's what we call guidance. How do I make my agenda happen for me? And again, I think benchmarking is a great idea. Nobody disagrees. You know, that's really interesting, but it's intellectual best practice. Wow, I can learn a lot about somebody else. Predictive analytics. I know why they're good. But what I want is guidance. So we created, and you can go online, rbl.ai, rbl.ai, very simple, a guidance system. What can I do in talent, my fingers, organization, my fist, leadership, the combination, and forearms, HR? We have 37 initiatives. Where should I focus this year on those 37 initiatives so that I serve my external customer? I meet financial goals. I build community reputation and citizenship goals. I deliver my strategy. I meet employee productivity. I think that's the agenda for HR that really excites me. I don't need to know how everybody else is doing. I don't need to know who's the best and the exemplar. I don't even need to know why they're the best. I wanna know what I can do to deliver the outcomes that I care about. That's what we call guidance.
1: We are already coming towards the end of this interview, Dave. I can't believe it. I feel like we've only just got going, but I've got uh, two more questions for you before we do wrap up. And I'll um, be a little
0: quicker, Bill. I'll, I'll, I'll be less
1: than <laughs> No, 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 sir. I sit here and I learn when I when I chat to you. So this is kind of related to what you were just talking about, but in, in, a, in a recent LinkedIn article called How Can Businesses and HR Leaders Simplify Complexity, you, you, you wrote the following. Even before the last two years, business leaders had to deal with the complexities of their lives by sacrificing bundling delineating creating value and renewing but with the unparalleled demands of the past two years the ability to simplify complexity is more critical than ever um you go on in in the same article to to, to explain this notion of simplifying complexity can you maybe can you can you explain that for for our listeners today and and, and why it matters so much for HR
0: leaders you know, if, if I were, if, in the world we live in, there's a lot of signals. We have your podcast, which is so good, and I encourage people to listen to it. But there are TED Talks, there are LinkedIn articles. There's a lot of stuff out there. So how do I know where I should focus? How do I know what I should do? How do I find the signal in all the noise? How do I find the thing that will help my son, Arthur, have a better life? All the things I could do, what will matter most? And we've been thinking about that. I can get lost in, well, I got two mistakes. I go from problem to solution without getting complex. That's that's uh, that's not going to be helpful because it's simplistic. You know, treat your people better. Ooh, put out an ad. Our people are our most important asset. Well, that's simplistic and not very helpful. I got to get complex. How do I get the most out of my people? I'm not being short about this. Avoid simplicity. Avoid uh, Uh, thinking that is not that, that doesn't require complexity but on the other hand when there's all the things I could do where should I focus and we've had a couple of hints relax relax don't try to be somebody else observe organize your world create thought patterns there's a great book out called framers find a way to organize a complex world that's simplification act with agility act and agile and adapt and then finally renew, learn, process, relax. I'm going to find simplicity on the other side of complexity. Observe, organize the complex world into patterns. That's the, the talent, leadership, organization, human capability is what I call that. Act with the adaptation and agility and then renew. Be willing to unlearn and learn again. Our sense is those steps will get me to the bottom of a diamond. The top of the diamond is the question, how do I get more out of my people? The wide angle of the diamond is so critical. That's the complexity. The bottom part of the diamond is the hard part. How do I now go from complexity to simplicity without being simplistic? Long answer, boy, do I hope we can do that in HR. Boy, do I hope we can do that in HR.
1: Me too, Dave. Me too. Hey, listen, before we do wrap up, uh, it would be remiss of me not to ask what's going on for you this year in 2022 and, uh, and how our listeners can connect with you and learn more.
0: You know, I've written a lot of books that nobody reads. Uh, some people read them. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I decided a couple of years ago, and I'm not traveling. I'm almost none of us are traveling. The world has changed. I want to listen to people. So I've started posting on LinkedIn every week. I post every Tuesday on LinkedIn a new article. One week, 150 words, very short. The other week I had 11 to 1,200 words, a little longer. They're not elegant. They're not perfectly coiffed like a beautiful hairstyle, but they're morning pages. Join me on LinkedIn. And then we have a website, rbl.net. RBL is the name of our firm, .net. And and we post ideas. Join me in discovering the future. I'm gonna end where you started. You said I'm an optimist. Lots of times there's prophets, and I'll use a religious metaphor that is not about religion, and they tell people, "You're going to hell if you don't repent." Other prophets say, "Let me show you where heaven is and how to get there. I'd rather be the second prophet. I'd rather not look back and tell people, Oh, if you don't change you're you're in trouble, you're failing, you're not good. I'd rather be the prophet, and Bill, so are you. I've looked over your 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 podcast. you are so positive and so upbeat. You're the prophet who says here's what heaven looks like and here's some pathways to get you there that's where i hope we can go in hr and now is the time to begin to have that impact in a very positive way so bill thank you for your incredible contributions to that journey that's ahead we look back to learn we envision the future to create and you're doing that through your podcast thank you
1: thank you dave um i I am one of those people who read your books by the way and and read read your articles and uh, you are a bit of a hero of mine, an hr hero, if you will um, and uh, I, I just yeah you know, I just love your attitude I, I, I love I love your optimism um which is all is all reinforced by the fact that um you are a really clever guy who knows your stuff um that just leads me to say for today Dave um obviously I'm gonna hound you to do another one of these interviews soon because uh, I love having you on the show, but for now thank you so much for being my guest.
0: Bill, thank you. What a privilege. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working.
0: Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.